Today's Old Testament text is from Psalm 118, verse 1 and 2, and then 14 to 24. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live. I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, and that can be found on your pew Bible on page 999. Jesus has risen. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Sherman. He is risen. He is risen so when I uh, was in seminary, I was at Calvin Seminary for one semester. Uh, 
particularly there for some reason, I would get in a lot of theological arguments, especially, <laughs> especially with this one guy. Uh, he was in like all of my classes, so uh, we got into it a lot. Um, I can't even remember his name, but the gist of every argument was pretty much, I was like, social justice, and he was like, meh. Uh, <laughs> Um, it was really great when those arguments happened in uh, our hermeneutics class because our professor was this wonderful, gentle, brilliant human who usually agreed with me. <laughs> and he would let the argument go on for some time, and then he would chime in with the perfect sentence, humbly delivered, that would end the argument, and I would win. <laughs> I would be vindicated. It was enormously satisfying. Uh, <laughs> uh, theologians talk about the resurrection like that, um, a vindication in a much less petty way. <laughs> a much less petty way. Jesus' resurrection is his vindication. It is the final word of the argument that declares his victory. Jesus had challenged everybody his own disciples, his mother and his brothers, the self-righteous, the rich, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law, the Roman Empire, the powers of evil, everybody. And of course, at the cross, it looked like Jesus was wrong. Even his own disciples, whom he had poured himself into, deserted him in the end. And then, of course, he died the Messiah is not supposed to die. It looked like a decisive defeat. But at the resurrection, the earth shook with vindication. And the resurrection means a lot of things, which is nice because we're going to be talking about it for the next seven Sundays. Um, but one of those things is vindication. The resurrection is the proof that Jesus was right. And I didn't really understood what that meant this week. I'd heard kind of read things about vindication, and it never really connected with me until, for some reason in my reading, something clicked into place, and I am so grateful. Because listen to this. The incredible claim of the Christian faith, or one of the incredible claims of the Christian faith, is that we can know what the God of the universe is like in Jesus. The God who created all things who spoke into the chaos of nothingness and said, let there be light, the first mover, the very center of all existence, the personal logos or logic of the universe, the one that holds all creation in being. The Christian faith says that we can know what that God is like by looking at Jesus. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and Jesus says it about himself in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And that means that not only can we see what God is like in Jesus, though that's no small thing, but since God created everything and holds everything in being, including you and me, we can also know the fundamentals of our world, our lives what it all means and what it's here for. What the theologians are saying when they talk about the resurrection as the vindication of Jesus 
is that the resurrection is the evidence that shows that we can trust what Jesus said and did. And we can trust all that that means about the universe and about us. By raising Jesus from the dead, God the Father stepped in and said, yeah, what he said. That's the right story. Over and against all of our cultural stories that want to tell you that you're an accident, that you're going to disappear into oblivion, or that you're a machine whose only role is to complete tasks, or that you're a consumer, just a gaping open mouth only, whose only job is to consume more and more. The resurrection, if you can believe in it, says no to all those other stories and half-truths, and yes to the story that Jesus is telling. In terms of historical events, there's actually like quite a lot of evidence for the resurrection. Um, quite a bit more than a lot of events that we just kind of take for granted. Um, not just in terms of documentation, though there is that, but also like there's pretty good arguments to be made um, through the cultural context of the time and the dramatic shift in worldview that happened um, very quickly with the beginning of the church. Um, and the bit that helps me the most is all those disciples who had deserted Jesus already. They had already gone back to their own lives or hidden themselves behind locked doors because they were scared they would meet his same fate. But then all of a sudden, those same scared, defeated disciples took up preaching again with such conviction that many of them were killed for the words they said. The gospel was too much of a threat for the powers that be, and actually, the early church did play a significant role in the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, and I'm not going to get into all the details about all this. There's plenty of books you can read. Uh, if you're interested, you can start with N.T. Wright's Surprised by Hope, or his much bigger and much more dense version of the same called The Resurrection of the Son of God. In the end, it doesn't matter how much study you do, you'll never be able to prove it 100%. Um, but there's enough evidence to go like, oh, it's possible, even it's likely. But it'll never be ironclad for you. A life of faith actually has to be formed by a life lived with Jesus. Anyway, if you believe in the resurrection, it means something amazing. Absolutely amazing. It means that God really is like Jesus. Of course, it's not just like Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. So. But the point that I want to get at is, that, is how we translate what we saw in Jesus to God the Father. And, you know, the Father, um, that term is really helpful in some ways and really not helpful in other ways. God is not a big man in the sky. Um, which, as much as I spend a lot of time studying scripture and reading theology, I still sometimes go there. God is not a big man in the sky. Uh, the Father does not have a gender or a body. God is spirit. Like, if you, I think it's closer if you try to imagine some force or energy that created this whole place and continues to hold it in being and then make that force personal and intentional. That's more like what we're talking about. The foundation of everything 
the creator of everything, the heartbeat of the universe, the giver of life, the ground of all being, is like Jesus. And can you even fathom what that means? It really, it means that God really is the God for whom the most truthful way to enter into this world was as a poor, helpless baby to unmarried parents who quickly became refugees. Like, I don't know how to say this big enough or clearly enough, but the chosen vulnerability of God means something fundamental about the universe. And when God in the flesh told us why he came, he said that it was to give good news to the poor and to bring healing and to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the oppressed. The resurrection means that those weren't just nice ideas, but a reality that is already here and coming. The resurrection means that all the things that Jesus taught have more reality in them than any other teachings we have ever heard. Jesus' words are not just some nice guy's good ideas or even a sage's deep wisdom. They are the very words of God. Or as John puts it in his first, first chapter, those words are spoken by the very same word that spoke all creation into being. And when Jesus gathered the little children into his arms and said that the kingdom of God belongs to them, God really is like that. And when he healed the leper, not from a distance, but with the very thing that the leper probably hungered as much as he wanted healing, when Jesus healed him with a touch, God really is like that. And when Jesus squatted down and mixed some mud between his fingers and smeared it in the eyes of a blind man, giving him sight, the resurrection means that God really is like that. And when powerful men antagonized women, like the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, or the woman who was caught in adultery, they scorned her and threatened her and dragged her in front of a crowd, publicly shaming her. But Jesus stepped in and defended and protected those women. And God really is like that. Or when he called out the Pharisees and the teachers of the law as hypocrites, rebuking them for the way that they made sure that they looked so good on the outside when they were really filled with death and decay or the way that they heaped heavy burdens on people but forgot mercy and justice and faithfulness. He called them out and then also in that very same moment he grieved that those same people would not come to him. How often have I longed to gather you together, he said as a hen gathers her chicks under my wings, but you are not willing. God really is like that. And when asked about the most important thing to do with our time and energy, the most important thing we could give our lives to, Jesus said, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, humbly and quietly undermining everything that we believe about power and might, 
about what a king should do, knowing in that space that he was riding toward his own murder because Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And when he forgave sins, and when he taught us a whole and holy way of living, and when he wept at Lazarus' death, but then called him out of the tomb. The resurrection means that the God of the universe really is like that. And the cross, that the everlasting, omnipotent, holy God, whose greatness is unsearchable, that the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, entered into the humiliation of public torture and execution at the hands of the empire for our sake, even forgiving his murderers as they killed him. Well, the resurrection means that God really is like that. That God really is love. Jesus has been vindicated. Which means that everything that Jesus said and did is true. Not just like it's true that my hair is brown, but true like physics. True like the deep magic that C.S. Lewis talked about. True like integral to the universe. Our world really is on purpose. Made through and by and for love for God's delight and ours. And though it has fallen into sin, God is bringing it back to wholeness. Beginning almost at the moment that sin entered the world. Culminating in the cross and sealed by the resurrection. And continuing until God's kingdom comes in full and then forevermore. Death really has been defeated. And you... The resurrection assures us that you have not been forgotten. No matter what this world might tell you, no matter how your circumstances might look, you are not meaningless, not condemned, not worthless or useless or somehow not good enough. God really is like Jesus. And that means that you... You really are beloved. You are meant to be. You are here because God thought that was a good idea. And your delight and your love and your justice are important. You are eternally loved. That's what it means that Jesus is vindicated. It means everything. Please pray with me. God, that we might believe you. That we might trust the absolute delight of the gospel that you showed us yourself in Jesus. 
that Jesus was vindicated at the resurrection. Lord, may we be people of faith and people of joy. In Jesus' name, amen.